Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am Jim Haney. And I am Andy Daniel. You know, this is uh, beginning of May, and so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So this is going to be our topic, isn't it, Andy? Yep. Uh, And this is uh, something that you're going to see all over the place. Social media is flooded with it. Uh, right now. Um. Yes, yes, it is. I noticed uh, right off. And, that, and that's a good thing. And that's what we need to do. Um, we need to talk about it. That's the first thing we do in raising people's awareness, right? Yep, absolutely. So I was thinking um, that, uh, you know, when I was thinking about this podcast and like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And uh, for me, immediately I was like, okay, I don't want to just like talk about a bunch of statistics. Yeah. There's I, enough of that floating around out there that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's some great places to go. You can go to mental health America website. You can go to NAMI, uh, website, um, the SAMHSA, you know, these are great websites if you're really looking for statistics. And so, um, you know how the universe sometimes just kind of hands you things uh, if you're if you're open and, and, and willing. Does that ever happen to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I um, one of the things I do most days, not every single day, but um, you know I check my news feed and uh, you know and so anyway, uh, what came up uh, two days ago was um, uh, just a flood of articles and, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a few and some of you listening will know right away what I'm talking about some of you'll be like oh I haven't heard that yet uh, most of them say something like this um, uh, teen suicide rate spikes uh, month after Netflix show 13 reasons why is it why is released Um <clears throat> something along those lines. And I don't, did you, did you catch that when that came out, uh, Andy? Yeah, I saw it in my newsfeed too. Um, and it's just all over the place. It's NPR and CNN and yeah, uh, CBS. Yeah. Everybody is talking about this. Um, and I mean, as I go through here, they all kind of say the same thing. Headlines are all kind of the same. You know, uh, teen suicide rate rose after 13 Reasons Why debut. Uh, watch a special report on suicide spike. You know, uh, U.S. teen suicide spiked after the release of 13 Reasons Why. And then, of course, Netflix um, posted then the next day a response, which then sparked even more articles to talk about uh, this 13 Reasons Why uh, and now Netflix has come out again with another response to the response of their response, <laughs> you know, right? Um, and so it's like a, now it's like a week of news. And, and it's, you know, I, I look at it, it's kind of, it's like positive and negative. And I, you know, I, I don't know why they didn't hold the report till May 1st. Right. Because, because if, you know, it came out, I think like a couple days before, I think it was maybe the 28th, 29th, right? If they would have just held it this would have been perfect timing on May 1st for mental health awareness. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think this is what we're going to focus on in this podcast. Um, our views and, uh, yeah, some resources and media depictions and, uh, exactly pros and cons. Right. Exactly. And so if you, if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is 13 reasons why, um, so this was a show that came out in March of 2017 on Netflix, and um, it portrayed a, a teen who leaves 13 audio tapes of why 
she's going to kill herself. Now, at the time, back in 2017, I was a Netflix uh, subscriber. I'm not today. Uh, no particular reason. Uh, just changed it up. Went to a different, uh, different show. Um, but yeah, I, I remember when it came out, and, and you know, like I like Netflix, but I'm a two-time suicide attempt survivor, so I chose not to watch it. You know, I, I chose to skip that. I didn't want to. Um, yeah, yeah, and I I felt the same way. I I have survived one suicide attempt, and um, it was just not something I felt like would be good for my mental health. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, and and uh, <clears throat> you know that's the wonderful thing we get to do, right? We get to choose whether or not uh, you know we're going to watch different shows. And I I know for me, uh, not just this show, but lots of movies and, and not just shows, right? Movies, yep. music, right? Um, portray suicide. And so I know I have an increased awareness. And so I, I have to be careful, um, not to expose myself to certain things that could be, um, traumatic for me, um, or could, um, you know, be, Neg could neg negatively impact me. I don't know. Just that's like part of my recovery. Um, yeah, and I've uh, seen. I know you've watched *A Star Is Born*, and I I saw a lot of yeah. stuff come out. You know, right after that hit the theaters, that there, you know, like a trigger warning um, because a lot of people had gone to it and didn't realize that that suicide was such it's a prominent. Yeah. Theme. That, yeah, yeah, that that, that that the movie's about that. So, right, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen it, you know, the, this is an Oscar-nominated movie, uh, A Star is Born. It won, it won, I think it won Song of the Year Actress, Best Actress, I think, right? I think it won Best, yeah. or best Supporting Actress. Uh, it had a bunch of nominations, including Picture of the Year, which it didn't win, but it had a bunch of nominations. It has an awesome soundtrack, and yeah. I, I think it is a it is a wonderful movie. Um, now I went into that movie knowing the ending, but I agree with you. I think um, it was it's not portrayed as a movie about suicide, um, but it really is. That's really where the movie ends up taking you. I think it's quite shocking. I know when my wife uh, watched it, she was pretty shocked. She had no idea. But as I know, as I was watching it, so as a person in recovery, I'm sort of watching his life, Bradley Cooper, you know, acting. Uh, that part is sort of life sort of un unraveling. And I can sort of see it happening, right? Um, and then uh, the industry putting pressure on him right towards the end. And then him making this choice, I, I think, out of shame and guilt. Um, and then there's only a little piece in the aftermath, you know, there's only, it's really short after that. But the, the big song, the big song at the end was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Right? And, <clears throat> you know, I, I, it, it makes me think about, okay, so this study, I'm going to bring this back to the 13 <laughs> reasons why, but, you know, this study was funded by NIMH, and they use federal dollars, public dollars, to do their work, and they do tons of great work. So somebody in that organization thought, let's pick on 13 reasons why. And, and I say pick on because they didn't do it for Star is Born. They didn't right. do it for any other show, even as a comparison to compare one to the other. They didn't, they didn't do that. And so, I, I, I mean, I just, I feel like that probably should have been considered, like, should we pick a, something else about suicide to compare? Was there a change when that movie came out? Because 
we're celebrating A Star is Born, right? By yeah. The song, the movie, the acting by Lady Gaga, by Bradley Cooper. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like, I'm not sure who, who, you know, who that was who said, let's use these federal dollars and just pick on one particular show. I don't know. Well, and I think, I mean, we just talked about, you know, some people didn't know about A Star is Born, and I don't know, maybe that's part of it, that everybody knows that 13 Reasons Why is, you know, yeah. about suicide, so, and it's obvious, but... So they're easy, they're easy targets? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what it was? Because they wanted to be so blatant about it, if they if they didn't tell you that the tapes were about suicide right. and they waited, waited until the end and they, and they had a really popular song like, like that went with it, that it would be okay. And we wouldn't do a study. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I Big mean, stars. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I don't really know. And I, I don't mean to make light of the subject matter, but, um, the other thing in the article. So, um, the one article that I pulled up just for today, isn't the original one that I read, but, it was in it was in USA Today, and um, I thought this was a really good article. It actually talks specifically about the study. So what the study actually found was that in March 2017, when the movie that's when the movie or the TV show Thirteen uh, Reasons came out. So they looked at April of 2017, right? Yeah. They actually found an increase in suicides in. 10 to 17 year old males. Now the show is about a woman, a girl who kills herself, not a, not a guy. The study showed there was an increase of 28% suicides uh, nationwide after the show came out. There was no significant increase in women 10 to 17 though. So I find that really interesting and I have to kind of question whether or not there were other factors happening um, and why why is it men but not women, even though the show was about women. Right. And I right? think probably targeted towards teenage girls. Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh I think absolutely. Um, the, other, the other thing is, uh, you know, what was going on in April and March – of 2017 were there other things going on across the nation were there were there I, I don't know other traumatic events that were maybe happening right because there is something with clustering when we see suicides here in Livingston we had this a few years ago where we had three suicides in a month's time right yeah so we had when one we had another one and and they were unrelated like they weren't wasn't like a group of people but there were boom, 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 there were like three. And so statistics do show that there is something about clustering. So my question is, is the 28% increase connected to clustering in a particular region? Um, and then there's one more piece of this. Uh, so then when you, you know how when you go on the internet, you do the news feed, you can read, you can, if you click on, you can read people's comments, right? Yeah. So, one of the first comments in there pointed out that the study did not ask the families if the people even watched the show. Now, that seems to me like that would be a no-brainer question in a research study. Yeah, I mean, so the, um, the person doesn't necessarily have to watch the show because it could make, like, let's say it was a high school Maybe some of the kids watched it, but the kids who killed themselves didn't. Um, but maybe then the word spread across, right, through right. the high school. I mean, there there's indirect ways that that could happen. I, yeah. I, under, I understand that, but I agree. It seems like the very first thing you would do is call every single family who lost a loved one during March and April 2017 and, and ask them, out, yeah, yeah, like, did your, did your family watch this show? You know, um, do a search on the, you know, on their uh, browser, right. you know, 
I mean, Netflix keeps all that stuff, you know, like you can go back and look at your movies you watched and when you watched them and all that. Did, did these folks even watch the show? So, but I, I find it interesting because, I mean, as I look at it right now, okay, we're three days into this now, and there's there are dozens of articles about suicide. So I, I look at that and I say, well, that's a good thing that we're we're putting this out there and maybe there's there'll be more discussion about it. Right. We're talking about it. People are paying attention to it. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't like the part that they're sort of picking on one show because unless we're going to do this study on the music industry, the major motion picture industry, you know, documentaries, TV shows, then I don't think we can draw a whole lot of conclusions from it. I think it makes great online fodder. Right. <laughs> it gets people sort of talking, but I don't, I, I just don't think that unless we're willing to go the next step, which is to really delve in, I don't think, um, I don't think we can actually say that, well, this show, that there's this, this correlation between the show and then boom, a bunch of people killed themselves. Um, because I also wonder about the, um, the, the show views from Netflix point of view. So if it's on Netflix, I mean, it's on Netflix, like, yes, it comes out and you typically have a spike when the show first comes out. Right. But, but not every show is like that. Sometimes shows come out and it sort of builds up over months and sort of gains momentum and popularity and then becomes super popular. And so I'd be curious to see that too. Well, you would imagine there's going to be a spike now, right? Well, there's going to be a huge spike now because of all the, I mean, my gosh, as I I'm scrolling through page after page after page and it's just every news outlet in this nation seems like has run multiple articles now on this the study the response the response to the study the response to the response you know it just kind of keeps going on and on um well and they did do a second season of it so it must have been popular during the first season right for them to invest and and do it again right right so there are lots of there are lots of shows and movies and and all of that you know that you've already said that um, cover suicide in in different ways, and um, yeah, like I I watch uh, a show called Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and and I realize crazy has some you know negative sure. connotations, but sure. it it's a comedy, um, and a musical comedy at that, um, but it does a really really good job of depicting the main characters, um borderline personality disorder diagnosis and her suicide attempt and going through therapy and medication and how it affects other people and what those people, their psychological trauma is, what their disorders might be, you know, that kind of thing. And so it, it does it in a really cool way that's, you know, serious, but also there are funny parts to it. So you kind of get a, a, right a break from it you know but it's an accurate you feel like it's an accurate portrayal yeah um yeah i think they did a really really good job with it that's good and what's the name of that show crazy ex-girlfriend um and i think it's over now um there are five seasons um and it's on netflix it's a cw um okay show Mm -hmm. um but yeah they do they do a pretty good job um they don't really get into it until I think the second season, but interesting. It reminds me of, um, so I got one of those, you know, free, you know, for three months, watch showtime thing, you know? Yeah. Right. So I did that. And last year I got into the show called Homeland, which features Claire Danes. And she has bipolar and she's a CIA operative and dealing with terrorists and, 
Um, and, and I feel the same way uh, about that show. I think her performance um, as, a, as a person living with bipolar is spot on. Um, and they fully work her diagnosis into the show. Um, uh, you know, medications and uh, her at times being very challenged and not making good decisions at work and getting herself into trouble, um, very serious trouble. She's dealing with terrorists. So, you know, people are dying and buildings are blowing up and right. And, uh, it also portrays her coworkers. Everybody has sort of a different approach with her. Um, her boss is very, um, Andy Patinkin is her boss. He's very supportive. Once he understood she had a medical condition at first, he was like, what's this person doing you know right like yeah but they show his evolution and um and then uh claire danes also in the show um demonstrates uh her ability to use her bipolar disorder in a very positive way and she's able to figure things out and make connections that her co-workers without bipolar aren't able to do and her work ethic and her drive is very high and um, she gets hospitalized in the show and um, goes on FMLA on the show. And wow, that's, very, that's pretty specific. Yeah, like very accurate. I think, it, I think it's great. I, I really enjoyed it. I think I got through the first three seasons, maybe four seasons. The show really enjoyed it, thought it was spot on. Um, I mean, sometimes it brought tears to my eyes. Like it was that accurate where I was like, wow, that's spot on. So I, I agree with you in that. I think there's lots of shows that do it very well, um, portraying people, um, and whether it's humorous or in a, this is more of a serious show on Homeland or whatever, but I think there's ways that it can be portrayed very accurately, um, and show the, the positive, uh, stuff and the and the challenges with it, right? Yeah, and then showing those characters seeking help or uh -huh. you know looking for support from uh, people around them, showing that people that are around them can support them and understand. You know, I, right. I think that's a huge thing. And and being successful, I mean, that's the that's the thing with with this show that I liked was, um, yes. You know, there were really ugly times where <clears throat> she had to be forcibly hospitalized. Really hard to watch for me. Right. But they also balance that with this healthy, successful woman who's out there, you know, if fighting the good American fight, if you will, yeah. right, against terrorism, you know, um, and they show that and her taking her medication, you know, like, like, right. Uh, going to see a therapist, yeah. um, being successful and, and getting to a point where she could share her diagnosis and, and, uh, and even before she could share it, going through the process of learning about it. And, and then how do you have those conversations with, you know, friends and partners and coworkers and, and it has all of that. And I, I think it's, <clears throat> I think that's important too. Um, yeah. to not show people that they can't be successful. Right. And, and like crazy ex-girlfriend goes through the side effects of the medication and oh, which oh, medications wow. aren't working for her and, uh, her resistance to medication because she'd been on the wrong ones before, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Cool. The, um, you know, while we're talking about this subject, uh, I'm going to put out there to our listeners, the suicide prevention, uh, lifeline number. So this is 24 seven. You can call this number, uh, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's like a chat line. Uh, if you need to talk to somebody, if you're feeling suicidal, um, feeling like you're going to harm yourself or harm someone else, um, you can reach out and there's, uh, trained folks available. 
Yeah, um, and any, if you don't job. feel like talking to somebody, because sometimes that can be intimidating, you can actually text yeah. 741-741, and it actually doesn't matter what word you text to them. Um, you can text hello, you can text Montana, um, you know, it, uh, it, it doesn't really matter what you text them, but somebody will get back to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when I was reading this uh, USA Today uh, article, one of the things that I also liked about it was they gave some resources in there. And yep. one of them, one of them was, a, was an organization that I, I was not familiar with. Um, and it is the National Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Hadn't heard of these folks. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So I, I went there and uh, went to the website, and, and they have a ton of information here. Um, <clears throat> and so I spent some time kind of digging around on the site, and it's really, um, <clears throat> it's really interesting. There's a quote um, from, from the, uh, this National Alliance it says uh, we should treat suicide prevention in healthcare systems as we treat heart heart attack prevention, and I, I couldn't agree more. Right. Um, I think uh, my own personal experience and my work as a peer supporter, and uh, when you walk into a medical facility, if you have a heart attack, or I, I use the example, you know, if you have a broken leg, everyone goes into action to help you, and and they know exactly what to do. And they're very good at it. And like, you're going to walk out and you're going to be feeling better and you're going to be comforted. And like, we know exactly what to do. But if you walk in and you have a mental health condition or if you are suicidal, the, the range of what could happen to you is it's like all over the map. Yeah, it depends on what hospital you go to, what their resources are. It can depend on which doctor is on the mm. floor at that particular absolutely. time. Absolutely, absolutely. And here in Montana, we have a lot of traveling uh, health 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 prof healthcare professionals. So it's very likely you are going to get a different person <clears throat> than maybe you had when you did come in for the broken leg, right? Like, right. Pretty rare you're going to walk in and have the exact same staff because we have so many tra traveling people. And... <laughs> the uh, yeah, it, the range is unbelievable um, in what could happen to you. I know for myself, uh, twenty gosh, what am I in twenty four years ago? Uh, I I had a couple of suicide attempts in nineteen ninety four, and uh, um, one I remember being in the emergency room, and they were. Um, they were stitching me up and the nurse was shaming me <clears throat> while they were literally doing this saying, how could you do this to your mother? What, what are your parents going to think? Imagine what they're experiencing right now. Why would you do this? And, uh, that left a deep wound in me. Um, it, it didn't comfort me or make me feel better. And I, and I, you know, have, have talked about this in therapy and worked on this, um, you know, and finally today can kind of share it without getting emotional about it. Um, because I think to myself, if I had a broken leg, would you say, why were you riding your bicycle down the street? Right, why right. did you fall off and hit the curb? You know, like, well, you wouldn't say that to me. You would be like, oh, that must really hurt. Are you okay? Like, don't worry, we're going to take care of you. Like, and I, I had a similar experience when, when my daughter had a suicide attempt and, um, she, you know, we, we ended up in the ER and, um, she had taken a lot of, uh, medications. And so she ended up in ICU because they couldn't, um, mitigate all of that stuff. And so she was sort of in and out of consciousness during her time in the ICU. And I, I think it was two or three days that she was there. And when she would sort of 
get become conscious and her eyes would open, you know, and um, but she still couldn't communicate very well. The doctor or the, the nurses would say, you I know you're awake. I know you can hear us. You just don't want to talk to us. Mm, and wow. and so as a parent being in there, that was that was difficult. And and she mm-hmm. actually does remember some of that, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of spotty when when she mm-hmm. would when she would come out of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if she had had a heart attack and was in the ICU. Right. They wouldn't say, oh, I know that right, you can right. control your heart rate. You're just making it up, right? Right, right, right. Your, your heart attack is not really that serious. Right. This wasn't a real heart attack, <laughs> right? Like, that's a real common one that they will say to people is, that's not a real suicide attempt. Right. Right? But you would never say to somebody, well, that's not a real heart attack. Right. It's like, uh, it's your heart. If that stops beating, you're dead. Like, well, and even, you know, know, around here, even if they're, if they only think it's a heart attack, you know, they'll fly you out to a bigger hospital. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that's part of, uh, what education it's part of stigma. It's part of personal biases. It's part of people's uncomfortableness. And that's, that's the way I framed my experience in that emergency room with that nurse. You know, today I've had to, you know, reframe it. And I think to myself, you know, maybe this woman was impacted. Maybe, maybe her son killed himself. Sure. And so, so she was speaking really about her own pain, right. Of seeing uh, a young guy, you know, in the, in the room, right. Like she really wasn't speaking to me. Um, she was really talking about herself and maybe as a parent and her own, right. I mean, I don't think she was trying to be malicious to me or anything, but that stuck with me. That caused a deep wound because here was healthcare. Here were healthcare professionals. And one of them is not really providing me with any adequate healthcare. They're actually harming me more than hurting me. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, a. um, that's definitely part of the issue that we have in this nation. Uh, we don't want to talk about suicide um, openly the way we talk about heart conditions or a broken leg. Um, right. And, and I, I don't think a lot of, um, I mean, it might be better now, but uh, I don't think a lot of healthcare professionals get that much training right. in, in what to do. Um, Agree. I mean, I, I, this reminded me of something else. I I saw a doctor at a time that I was self-harming and I know that he saw the aftermath of that Uh Uh and he didn't say anything. Yeah. And it sort of disturbed me that he didn't even say, Hey, what's going on? You know? Right. Right. What is this? Right. Right. What's happening here? Right. Yeah, no, no, I, you know, when we started doing Montana's Peer Network, when we started running Recovery Coach Outreach Program in the community, Gallatin County, we had on a number of occasions, we'd have therapists call us and say, could you help me with my client? They're suicidal. Right. And when it first happened, I was sort of stunned. I was like, why are you calling me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be calling you. I'm supposed to be saying to you, I'm working with Sally and you're her therapist and she needs more therapy. Like she's really struggling and you're the therapist. Right. Um, and, and, and it was really shocking. It was like, well, what's going on here? And I remember talking to my clinical supervisor about it. And she said, well, you know, she said just what you said really, Andy was most therapists, they don't have a lot of training in suicide intervention. Right. They they know the protocol, but they don't actually have the experience. And so that when you find a peer supporter who has a lived experience like that, who can really connect with people and who understands what a person might be experiencing, when you don't have to be actively trying to kill yourself, just thinking about it, just having these thoughts and having a place to talk about it, peer support can play a great role. And so we sort of changed our approach and then 
you know, we're like, yeah, well, that'd be great. But then we also saw it as an opportunity to kind of educate the therapist too, to provide a little information, like here's some things that you could do and here's the way we can help right. um, to connect people. So <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a huge one. And that's a good um, segue back to this national Alliance for suicide prevention. Yeah. Right. And so they have this, uh, on, on their website, they have this standard of care uh, relating to suicide yep. prevention, and um, it's 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 pretty good. And, and I'm not gonna. I mean, there's a lot here, so I, I can only sort of cherry pick it. Um, but they have a recommended standard of care um, work group that made these standards for suicide risk and healthcare. Um, primary care, outpatient, behavioral health care, which means mental health or substance use treatment centers. We sometimes forget about SUD, substance right. use disorder centers, and suicide because we think, oh, well, they're dealing with addiction and, and, and people uh, drinking alcohol, and right? But, but statistics show vast majority of people who take their lives are actually under the influence of substances, Right. And, so, and there's a lot of dual diagnoses for, yes, you know, yes. self-medication or, you know, for whatever reason, there's, there's a lot of overlap there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, uh, the website is the action alliance.org. Um, <clears throat> and so the, the, they're looking at four settings, primary care, outpatient behavioral health care, emergency room and inpatient behavioral health care. That's like uh, behavioral health units or inpatient addiction treatment. And so they have this guide that I would recommend um, people take a look at um, and, and really think about how they can, they can address these issues. Because I'm, I'm telling you, the healthcare places do not meet these standards. Right. <laughs> I mean, they, they, just, they just don't, right? Um, one of the other ones on here that I clicked on that I found... Uh, that I was sort of just really drawn to was, um, crisis care. Yeah. And that one, boy, this one is right in line with, um, with Montana's peer network and really the kinds of things that we promote. And so again, they have this task force, right? This, this work yep. group and they have these elements, these four elements, um, the need for regional or statewide crisis call centers that use technology to support real-time coordination. Okay. So I read the number for that. I'm going to read it again. 1-800-273-8255. So we have that in Montana. I think all states participate in that. It's sort of a nationwide 24-7 uh, call-in, right? Yep. But, but the second bullet point Centrally deployed mobile crisis outreach and support on a 24-7 basis. Right. So that's something we do not have here in Montana, but we have been promoting for a long time that we need, we, we call what we have in Montana um, CRT, crisis response team, but it's not crisis response team at all. Right. You, you have to literally go to them and most of the time, they're actually not even available because they're in court yeah. for other, other cases. And so I know here in Livingston, the wait can be hours long uh, to, to get someone. And so I know there's been efforts to get mental health professionals who can do evaluations, um, professionals trained, but we do not have this in Montana. Right. But, but there was a House bill. Yes, yes, 660, House Bill 660, 2019, legislative session, yeah. And so this bill passed um, the legislature, is on its way to the governor's office, as we're recording this, beginning of May. And this would, this allocates money for a couple of pilot projects um, in a larger community, and I think a smaller community is the way it's written, for two years to test this out, to implement a mental health professional, licensed professional, and a peer supporter, certified peer supporter, to actually be available for people instead of sending out law enforcement. Right. And so kudos, kudos to the sponsor um, 
and uh, everybody who helped advocate for that because our vision at Montana Spear Network is we want to see that across the entire state. We want to see these teams everywhere where they're mobile. So you go out, instead of law enforcement showing up, you have actual professionals who can help. And so in the bullet points, um, the, the, the next bullet point, the use of essential crisis care principles and practices such as trauma-informed care, peer support staff, yep. and recovery orientation, right? Like that's a huge part of it because, again, it goes back to what I was saying with the counselor. If you have somebody, a peer supporter, who, you know, uh, is in recovery from uh, maybe suicide attempt, mental health, whatever, you know, they're out there on the street connecting with people, highly effective, right? And then you have the professional there who can do the evaluation and does the person um, need a higher level of care or do they really just need the support, and if they need the support, the peer supporter is available right there to yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, the that Action Alliance actually has a page about um, lived experience um, mm. also. Um, people who have direct experience with suicide have an important role to play in suicide prevention. So, um, nice. you know, that's another I, – I, I don't see this very often as – you know, part of peer support, you know, when you're looking, you're doing a Google search or something, um, that, that this suicide attempt survivors as peer supporters for those who are in that kind of a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that there's, I was just talking with somebody had called into MPN, uh, last week, I think it was, and they were asking me about this and, you know, um, and they asked me, you know, well, well, talking about it, won't it make someone go kill themselves? Right. Right. And, and it kind of brings me back to the 13 reasons why, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you can view that however you want and you can say, oh, it makes people go kill themselves. But it's also a, an opportunity to have a conversation about mental health and, and suicide and drugs and alcohol and, and all these things. And, you know, uh, I'm not a parent myself, but it seems to me that if I was a parent, I would have to make a decision. Do I want my kids to watch that? Do I want to watch it with them? Do I want to leave it up to them? But it seems that it would be an opportunity to have this discussion with them about suicide and, you know, uh, what their feelings are and their views and what yours are and where do you get help and all these kinds of things. Because I think this, there's this misnomer about, well, if I talk to somebody who, and that's what this phone call was about, a parent was calling and, you know, their adult child, you know, suicidal, had a suicide attempt. They don't know how to talk about it. They're afraid they're going to trigger them. Right. And I, I told them, I said, you have to talk to them about, not talking to them about it is way worse. Right. Because right. it's that darkness in the corner where we just... We brush it into the corner and we cover it up with a bunch of junk because we don't want to talk about it. Um, I think the complete opposite and, and having the conversation, I think, is, is so much uh, more effective and helpful. I know it's helpful to me uh, to be able to talk about it and have safe people that I can talk to about it. And um, I am a parent and um, my kids all have their own uh, mental health needs. Um, uh, like I, I talked about my, my daughter's suicide attempt. She's now 21 and I have a 19 year old daughter who, uh, spent some time in an inpatient facility as well. And, uh, I know that, um, my middle daughter has watched 13 reasons why I, I don't know if the oldest one has, and I, I don't want to watch it, but they're, they're old enough to make their own decisions <laughs> about uh-huh. those things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But we have had conversations about it, you know, um, uh-huh. about things that they think are accurate in it and inaccurate, uh-huh. you know. So um, yeah. I think if they were younger, I probably would not have wanted them to watch it. Or at least uh-huh. I would have watched it also um, uh-huh. just to be, uh-huh. you know, to, to help them through it. But uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think these are opportunities and, and May being mental health awareness month, this is an opportunity to 
connect with connect with people and I I, uh, I I put this in my five good minutes so I'm putting a challenge out to the any all the viewers of five good minutes and I'm gonna put the same challenge out in this podcast if you are listening to this podcast my challenge to you is in the month of May that you will go out into your community and whatever that is for you and I say community whatever like that can be your circle of friends your co-workers your social group whatever it may be and do something something one thing to raise their awareness about mental health this month i challenge you to do that and and i'm pretty confident that if we could take that approach and we could each do that this is how we're going to change these views and the stigma and the bias and the the shaming and the guilt and hiding it all in the corner and we don't want to talk about it i mean we raise hundreds of millions of dollars for breast cancer every year. You do not see the same things happening for mental health or addiction. You don't see the same thing. I don't see the NFL players wearing green, you know, right in the month of of, uh, September or May or whatever. You know, they don't do that, but they do pink. Come October, the NFL, you know, they're mandated. They got to wear two pink items on their uniforms, you know, for, we don't do the same, but we got to change that. We really do. Um, And we have to stop relying on state funding mechanisms to address these issues. And we need to look into the private sector where the real money is and engage people in these conversations. And if you do that, you find out the CEO of such and such company also has a diagnosis or their loved one has a diagnosis. And that I think that's how we're going to begin to address these by making these changes, but it's going to be in the private sector, not from government. I think it's going to be the other way around. We have to change our views in society. Um, that's, that's, that's my opinion. And, the way I think we need to approach it because what we're doing now and looking at states to fund everything, state governments, it's not working. It hasn't been working. If we're not, we're not moving the needle in, you know, suicide prevention or changing it, it's society needs to make the change. Well, and you know, we, we've talked before about like celebrity suicides and um, Mm. things like that. And, um, I think you were, you were talking about, um, Anthony Bourdain and that that was unexpected, um, for, you know, for some people there, there are some celebrities that, you know, have struggled with, uh, mental health or, or addiction or whatever, but, um, you know, not everybody who is suicidal looks depressed or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sign. There's no pink splotches on your arm or, you know, right? Like, there's no sign above your head that says you have a, you know, something's going on with your mental health. You're not healthy or you have a diagnosis or you're suicidal. Absolutely. The way you do it. I think part of, you know, this awareness is, you know, to have those people who have that lived experience to say, you know, this is what I was feeling at this time. And here's how you would have known, Yeah, you know, yeah. or this is what it yeah. looks like for me. Um, yeah. This is how you can help someone. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Valuing that lived experience and bringing um, suicide attempt survivors into the mix. When we begin talking about suicide prevention, intervention, um, because there's something very valuable in that lived experience. And, uh, for some reason it, it's, we sort of get sidelined. I've had that happen to me personally, a number of times try to get involved with suicide prevention projects. And I was sidelined once they found out that I was a suicide attempt survivor. It's like, Oh, somehow that's not important. It's like, which seems totally ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's Who like, better to know. <clears throat> right. Right. Well, we can keep funding. We can keep using money funding studies of television shows. <laughs> you know, like we can use the money that way, I guess. You know, <clears throat> right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we're about out of time. Yeah. I, I, I think we're, 
we've really had a great, rich conversation, and I feel like we could keep going, don't you? Oh, absolutely. This could go on for a long time. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I do. I feel like it's uh, this is a really deep subject, but boy, this was great way. This is a great way to kick off the month, Mental Health Awareness Month in May. Again, I'm putting a challenge out. If you're listening to this, go out to your community, whatever that is for you, and I challenge you this month to raise people's awareness. Do something. And when you do that, let us know. Go on our Facebook page and tell us what you did so we can share that with other people so other people see it because what you did might inspire someone on the other side of the state and they might go do it. And then that inspiration will go to somebody else. And pretty soon we're making a difference all across the entire state of Montana. Yep. Um, there's always something to learn from some other community that's done something um, positive. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Andy, thank you so much. Uh, I just want to. I want to put out that the suicide lifeline information again. Yes. So yep. you can call one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. You can text 741-741. And if you do a Google Google search for suicide, the first thing that pops up is the, the phone number. And there's also an online chat option. Um, so again, if you're not comfortable talking to somebody on the phone, maybe texting or an online chat would work better for you. And I'll put all that information in the uh, description of the podcast here in case you missed it. Perfect. Great. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time uh, on our next, next podcast. Yep. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works. Recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.